Hey, I'm Erin Bridgman, a money mindset and management coach for the creative entrepreneur. I'm the girl behind the Wealthy Woman Movement that's reaching thousands and expanding each and every month. And I'm so glad you've decided to join this community too. Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast for creative female entrepreneurs looking to get strategic with their money. I believe that wealthy women will change the world. And in this podcast, we include money-related mindset and management tips and practical business advice you can apply right away. No fluff here. It's time to take action. Let me shoot it to you straight. Talking about money is like talking about sex. It's vulnerable and uncomfortable, but so necessary. And that's why I've created a judgment-free zone where women like you can trade the shame and money skeletons in your closet with empowerment and confidence that helps you master your money. I'm both the creative and the nerd, the no bullshit friend and your hype girl. And I'm excited to be your guide on your money journey. All your dreams are tied to money. So it's time to get that money working for you so you can make your dreams a reality together. Your business should be the catalyst to living your dream life. So don't let your money be the obstacle. Grab your notebook and your favorite drink and let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the Wealthy Woman Show. Today, Brett and I are going to dive into the full story of our real estate journey. So if you haven't already, be sure to check back on the previous episode where we share about our first ever investment property. We walk through all of the specific numbers and things like that. And today we're going to talk through how we started with one home back in 2014 to where we sit now in our real estate portfolio. So currently we own 20 doors. We have just over $3 million in active flip projects and just under $7 million in real estate investment assets overall. But I always love to say this didn't happen overnight. This has been a journey since 2014 with lots of downs and some ups, and we're excited to just sort of pull back the curtain and share how the heck we did it all. So join in with us in this conversation as we chat about how we made it all happen. Hey, babe. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Yay. I'm excited for us to be able to, I know we got to sort of whiteboard out our whole journey, which was fun. And we had to do a lot of digging to get all of these information, all these facts. A lot of cobwebs to go through, a lot of houses. <laughs> I don't think we needed to spend a ton of time going into 2014. That is when we decided to make our first ever investment. We used the funds from our photography business and we bought the first rental. And if you want to hear all the in-depth nitty-gritty details on that, head back to that episode. So that was in July of 2014. We didn't buy another property until 2016. Yeah, so in 2016, we saved up money for a down payment on what we actually ended up having as our primary residence here in Indianapolis. So we bought that property for $150,000, and that one was the definition of sweat equity for Brent and Aaron. You painted, I think, the entire house. Yep, I think every single inch of the house, and including we rolled the outside of the home. We painted the exterior of the home ourselves. We literally did all of that. I mean, I started a fire in that house. We had a water line explode in that house. Like those I mean, moments, hasn't happened yeah, those moments on the HD TV show where there's like a fire or like the pipe is bursting and water shooting across, like that stuff actually does happen. I remember there was newspaper in the walls. That's what they had used to insulate the walls. And we were doing some electrical and a spark hit in the 
the newspaper, newspaper, caught it on fire. So you like used the back of your drill, smashed it into the wall, and then took my water bottle, my Nalgene, and like threw it into the wall and, and put the fire out. Bananas. Bananas. And then I also remember I was literally tiling the downstairs shower and you were working on the plumbing and <laughs> we decided to put the thermostat like kind of in a weird spot but anyways you accidentally drilled into the main water line and it was shooting horizontally across <laughs> the kitchen splashing against the window and you're like i was got out of the shower while i was tiling and it was just crazy you had to run right. down turn off the main it's always interesting how certain moments in life it's rarely funny for both of us i feel like it's usually la- one of us are laughing the other one's either crying or furious or something and that house had lots of those memories okay so in april of 2016 we purchased our first ever primary residence. And we actually only put 10% down because we didn't have enough cash to do 20% down. So we had PMI and we used a conventional loan. So just a typical loan that you would use if you're buying a home. And the purchase price of the home was $150,000, which was a steal of a deal for that neighborhood. So with what we put down, we had a mortgage for about $135,000. The interesting thing about this house, we actually kind of flipped it twice. So there's almost two chapters, as you could say, for this project. So the first chapter was us rehabbing the whole existing structure. We opened it up. We didn't change any square footage to the layout of the home. We gutted the upstairs and redid a bathroom and the whole main floor, did a new kitchen, a new bathroom there, and then finished the basement as well. I mean, we did a ton of work, but it was all within the existing structure of the home. So at this point, we did not add any additional square footage. So we cash flowed all of the renovation of that with the photography business. Right. You tell the story. I would be like, where's our money? Where's our extra money? Yeah, as most people could probably relate to on the podcast here, you have had moments where you're, what the heck? Like, aren't we busting our butts in entrepreneurship or underday job or whatever we're doing? And this feels like the money's in and the money slips right back out of the account faster than you could even look that it was there. And Erin and I are having one of these conversations. She said, we just had a huge photography month. Where the heck is all of our money? And I said, I'm standing on it. And I was actually currently up on our marble countertops in the kitchen, installing a can light. And it was just kind of this funny moment where she was mad and I was kind of laughing. You know how I said that earlier. And this was another moment where I had a witty answer for Aaron as to where all of our money was going. I was standing on these brand new amazing countertops. And to be clear, it wasn't that I didn't know where the money was going. I was just frustrated in the moment. Like, gosh, we're busting our butts, working this extra job. And where the heck is all of it? And we were very strategically putting it into our home. So we didn't have to take out a construction loan. We didn't, we were just strategically using our cash and Lowe's credit cards, Home Depot credit cards that give you six months of no interest. And so, and then we were literally doing most of the work physically ourselves. I know we had hired out some drywall. We had some friends that we paid to help us, but for the most part, we did it ourselves. And then in February of 2018, so almost two years later, we got a appraisal on the home in order to get access to some of the equity. So this is what we call a HELOC. And we're not going to go into depth on that concept today. In a future episode, we'll talk about some creative financing options and like go deeper into how to do this. But we got an appraisal in 2018 for $307,000. And so here we are on a mortgage of 135. There is now value of the house at 307. And so HELOCs give you 90% of the value of the home minus your mortgage. 
So we were able to get access to $145,000. And the really cool thing about a HELOC is you can use it however you want. And you don't have to pay interest or anything on the money unless you're actually utilizing it. So we then took the $145,000 and we used that money to do the next round, the next phase of our home, and then to also purchase the flip. So February 2018, we got the HELOC and April 2018, we bought our first flip. This oh boy. At 4226 Sunset Avenue, just south of Butler University here in Indianapolis. It's a, a neighborhood that we've come to love. Most of our portfolios in that neighborhood now. And it was a house that was just kind of like an awkward tweener house that could have been a student housing property, but it wasn't really quite in the right area. So we bought it with our HELOC and borrowed money from my dad actually for the construction part of it. And the saga continues. I did most of the sweat equity in that house. We had a we had no idea what we were doing. We hired out the electrical and plumbing work, you know, just kind of the mechanical things that are complicated. And then I had a worker with me named Jeffrey, who we still work with to this day. We have lots of great stories with Jeffrey. He and I were just doing everything in this house. So we were our hope was I think we were over budget and over time as usual. And I think we were pretty ambitious. I think our we started out with a goal of I think profiting around like twenty or twenty five thousand. Well, we didn't even know how much we made because we made so little and we really didn't track that. So Brett and I guess that we made $7,000, but that was like a guess. And it's literally such a minute detail for us because I think what Sunset Avenue was for us is it was education and it was us getting musculature to gear up for what we were about to do in real estate. And you know that I teach this so much of what we do with our money is based on how we think out of our thoughts, produce our actions, which produce our results. And this gave us a new way of like getting up when you're down, pressing through Sunset Avenue. We bought from wholesalers in Indianapolis that we actually still work with today. And honestly, we probably purchased way too high. The house was 146. And I think we just bought a bad deal, to be honest, because it wasn't that we like crazy, like overdid the home. I think it was just too high for the area. But when you're green and when you're just getting started, you don't know the things that you know zoom into now when we are having millions of dollars working and all the doors that we've done and things like that. And so I think that I just wanted to pause and highlight that because if you're afraid to fail, what's that song we always do, babe? Learn to lose. You have to learn to lose. And in learning to lose, you learn how to win, really. You have to get comfortable with the idea that it is a risk and there is no guarantee and you're still going to do it and you're still going to make it happen. And I remember like I was painting the front porch in between each freaking spindle and I was like, really? Like, this is what we're doing? Like, this is it? And then what happened, Brent? You and I will never forget that story of we got really bad news about a pipe or something and it landed you in the crawl space for quite oh, a while. The sewer line, that's right. Yeah, we were in the 11th hour. And I think the inspector wasn't able to get into what's called a clean out to get into the sewer line. So they were delayed. And we had to have a plumber come open it up, blah, blah, blah. So they ended up having a delayed inspection on the sewer line. And it turned out that they couldn't make the camera get through a corner or something. So there was like some ridiculous quote for like $15,000. And I told Aaron, I said, Aaron, I, I don't care. 
I will be our insurance policy on this. Like if it's, if it is what it is, I'm going to just roll up my sleeves and make sure we don't lose money because I, I just don't care. Remember 7,000 in profit, maybe. So a $15,000 unexpected charge would land us significantly negative. Oh my gosh. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. I just literally got a shovel and I went in the freaking crawl space, found out where the sewer line went down and I started digging. It was a dark, dark six hours of Brent's life, but I was just not going to let it stop us. I literally had dug a hole so deep in this crawl space. It's probably not safe, by the way. Don't do this. That I, I couldn't get my shovel to fit down in the hole anymore. So I ended up having to take my sawzall and cut my shovel in half <laughs> to continue to dig to where I needed to get to. And I got all the way down to where this elbow was in the pipe. And then my plumber showed up with their jetter and their snake line, their camera. And because of how much I dug, they were able to figure out the angle and get the line to reach. Turned out that it was clear and that we were all set, but that would have been one of those instances where I just wasn't going to let us. That was a day where you showed up trying to be sweet. I'll never forget. You brought me a coffee and I was so angry and grumpy in the stupid hole in the ground. I was just like, not a day for coffee, Aaron. And, you uh, know, it's like, like, oh, like, was not great. Head on out. Sorry. But honestly, sometimes when you see the Instagram life or you hear about the current portfolio that we have, it can feel so out of reach or it can feel so like, spectacular or we just got lucky or something yeah and we didn't like I can remember lots of stressful conversations and how the heck are we still not making money and how are you over budget and why am I painting the front porch and why are you in the crawl space with a half a shovel but I think it's that type of tenacity that type of work ethic that type of dedication that has allowed us to get to where we are now and so if you're listening and you are finding yourself in the crawl space with a half a shovel or on the porch painting I think what I would love for you to do is flip the narrative and be really proud of yourself that you're showing up for yourself in this way and know that better days are coming and that you are working for those better days. So just to recap so far, in July of 2014, we bought our first rental. In April of 2016, we bought the first home, our primary residence, which we then put our own sweat equity into and our own cash from our photography business to allow us to get an appraisal of 307 that gave us 145000 in a HELOC, which we then used in order to do the second phase of our home, which we'll talk about when we get to that part. And we used it to help us with the Sunset Avenue flip, which Brent's dad also helped fund with us. So this is 2018. So literally almost four years later, four years later, we're only three houses into this deal. So it's definitely a snowball and it takes time to get going. April of 2019, we aren't going to go into massive details here, but we bought a flip with our, at that point, business partner that we had started doing work with. We did a flip on state. How we funded that was with our business partner, Connor. So basically he was the money and we were the executors, the implementers, the workers, the managers, the designers, the everything. It's so funny. Do you remember when we listed state? You guys literally had one little tree, fake tree. That's how you staged it, quote unquote. And you just moved the tree from room to room. One tree. Yeah, in the bedrooms, we just did that. I'm sure people noticed this. We probably have so many listings that are just comical. But yeah, we didn't know what to do with these rooms. And you're just taking pictures of like random rooms. And I was doing the photos at the time. I was like, Connor, we got to put something in these rooms. And he was like, yeah, let's just move these plants around. So we literally had the same plan. <laughs> like, where's Waldo in each room? <laughs> so when you look at the current houses that we put up on Instagram that you see staged and so beautiful and blah, blah, blah. Just remember, it started with one tree that we moved from room to room. So then talk about May 2019. This was a big move for us. Yeah. So in May, which I cannot believe that was like 
it feels like so close and you know, so far away. We had gotten some other flips that we were doing with our business partner and we were kind of cruising along. We were starting to get some of our feet under ourselves. And then this really cool house came up. A buddy of mine was a realtor in my brokerage with me and had a house that he got under contract, a Meridian Kessler that was just so ugly. It was this terrible ranch of a house that had, it was 1500 square feet. So it was like pretty decent footprint limestone, ugly block all around it. And I remember pulling up and telling him, I said, JJ, I think we need this house. I think this is just going to be a baller house. The neighborhood was amazing. It was quintessential Chip and Joanna. I'd buy the worst house in the best neighborhood. And this was the house. Like, I mean, I think it was the only single story home totally on the block, block literally, for whole, sure. Whole. And the most ugly, like raccoons living in it. I mean, it was terrible. Totally. There were so many pests. It was just nasty. So you were like, JJ, we have to get this house. And I think this one we knew we wanted to do on our own. The purchase price of this home was 125000 but we knew we were going to have to renovate the home. We didn't really have much cash to put up at this point because of the other places that we were deployed and things like that. And then we had projected that we were going to have to put about $200,000 into the home or something crazy ridiculous. It was, the GC could, told us, it was, yeah, he said, I think I remember he said like two hundred or 225000 It was a ridiculous number because it was like hundreds of thousands of dollars more. But this is when we were able to get our first ever hard money loan. And we will again go into more details around the creative financing and how we do this. But some local people that also do real estate were starting to lend out money through hard money lending, Alan and Vivian, and we still work with them to this day. And so they were willing to take on this project with us and do most of the funding for this, given what they could see we were going to be able to do the project for and how much we would be able to sell it for. Like this was going to be a, a flip. And then we fell in love. There was so much whiplash with this house. It was oh. terrible. We were like in love, out of love so many times. I feel like because it was like a wonderful house and it was over budget. So we we're going to sell it. And then we were back in love with it. But we ended up love prevailed. Love prevailed. Yeah. And this is our house. We bought the house thinking it was going to be a flip. You know, it's in this most precious neighborhood, the dream neighborhood. But if you don't know this about me, I just don't love change. And I get very sentimentally attached to things like my 1999 Monte Carlo. When we went to trade that Monte Carlo in, I was like, Brent, please take do a photo shoot with me with this car. Mm -hmm. You felt like you were betraying a friend. <laughs> I literally, when they only gave me $500 for that car, I was like, I truly feel, no, I felt like I was betraying a family member. <laughs> it was deep. It was deep. So I just, <laughs> just to say, I mean, I was very attached to our house on 58th street because you and I, it was like our first time, like shoulder to shoulder designing, creating, transforming a home. I bet we spent over the course of like those two or three years that we owned it. I think we spent on average, 15 hours a week working on that house. We didn't have years. babies and I still was working in my job. You had your job with your dad. We were doing photography. And then in our spare moments, we were working on the home. I mean, and I think it pays off, right? Like we were grinding and working and doing all that while everybody else was enjoying their weekends and going out and all that stuff, which no judgment, but it's now paying off so much for the long hours that we put in early on. Okay, so yeah, that became our home. We ended up getting a mortgage on the home and we rolled in. So this is important to say to go back to 58th Street. So in this decision, we told you that we took the HELOC and we used it to cash flow like the second phase of our home, as well as work inside of 
the flip and then this home that we were getting, right? So we ended up putting an addition on top of the garage. And so we kind of, yeah, yeah, back on 58th Street. So just to go back to that second home, the first primary residence, we bought 150,000, 58th Street. Like you said, the first phase, we got that appraisal of 300 and then we put the addition on. So we actually utilized some of the attic space, opened that up to make a bathroom and a laundry upstairs. And then we did a full addition above the garage to add in two additional bedrooms. Yep. And then we sold the house. So in August of 2020, we sold the house for $495,000. So if you think about that particular home, we had a mortgage for one thirty-five, dollars and we definitely had a HELOC. We had to use some of the HELOC. So we had debt on that beyond the one thirty-five, dollars maybe an additional 100000 or something. So maybe we were like, just to do rough numbers, like 250000 The rest we cash flowed. So when we sold the house for 500 and we only had debt of 250, these are very rough. We could have had maybe more debt, like 300. We walked away with hundreds of thousands of dollars that we then rolled into park our home. And so right away we were moving into equity, not just because of the cash that we had brought in, but because we had done a flip. So we had created forced appreciation with what we did inside of the home and we brought our cash to the table. So Our mortgage is extremely low compared to the actual price of the home, the value of the home, which is, is really been helpful for us because what did we do? We pulled a HELOC on our primary home, our primary residence. So the same thing that we did on our first home, we did again on our second home. And this time we just had more cash because we used the the profits quote unquote, of the couple hundred thousand dollars, we rolled that into the mortgage. So there you go. We can access that plus the forced depreciation. So how much was that original HELOC, Brian? Do you remember? I think it was for around 200 or $220,000. Yeah, that sounds about right. And just a quick note, there's a reason why we try to keep all of our cash and equity in the homes versus why not just get a bigger mortgage and have all of that cash in your bank account? Well, the reason that it's wonderful, and Aaron mentioned this earlier, is if you have the ability to keep your mortgage lower and then have a home equity line of credit, if you're not doing something with it, and for our instance, investing in other houses, then your base cost of living can be maintained at a lower rate. So just to like clarify, remember how I mentioned that on a HELOC, and we'll go in much more detail on a HELOC at a different time. You don't have to pay interest unless you're using the money. And so you can sort of sit on hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash. And if it's not being deployed, doesn't cost you anything. Versus if we just got the mortgage higher, that means our mortgage payment is going to be thousands of dollars more a month. And so this is why we choose to to do it that way. So 2019, we are working on flips with this business partner, kind of just getting our feet underneath us, not making a ton of money yet. Lots of education. Education is expensive. That's what our previous business partner always said. And we were just learning a ton. And then 2020 was when we sold the home and we moved into our park home. And then simultaneous to all of this, we started to actually build out our doors. February of 2020, we sold our first rental property and we had bought our first duplex here in Indianapolis in November of 2019. So just to give a very clear picture, 2019, five years-ish into real estate, We have done one flip on our own. We have basically house hacked and flipped our own home and then done it again with our second home with, we did it with 58th street first and then with park second. 
And then we've been doing some other things with a business partner to sort of like just learn, make enough money to get by. Like we were making some money, but not 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 for the effort we we're putting in, but we we're getting a lot of education. And we had two doors because we had bought the Boulevard Duflex in 2019. So 2019, couple couple flips, two doors. Then 2020, we bought quite a few doors. We bought Cornelius, which was a du- another duplex for $115,000. we are using hard money lending at this point. We're refinancing out. Sometimes we're leaving a little bit of money in the deal. Sometimes we're getting to refinance most of our money out. When we leave money in the deal, it's typically not more than $20,000, and then we keep going. And so September of 2020, we've got four doors. November of 2020, we buy college, which was another duplex, so six doors. And then December of 2020, we bought Michigan, which is two duplexes, and we made those into Airbnbs, and we did some really strategic things with rezoning so that instead of being duplexes they were townhomes so you get a higher appraisal so we were actually able to get all of the cash out of that one so end of 2020 now we're up to 10 doors now they weren't completed doors or cash flowing doors so you see that 2021 which Brent you talk about we kind of slowed down a bit because we were doing a lot of the work of the homes we had previously acquired in 2020 yeah because what Aaron's highlighting, these are the timestamps of when we purchased the homes. And if you haven't noticed this already, Aaron and I buy almost exclusively crappy homes and we make them better. The first couple duplexes were a little more cosmetic rehabs. They were quicker. I think the Cornelius one, for example, that one only took like four or six weeks to do. But college and the Michigan duplexes, those last six doors of 2020 were major overhauls. Those were complete guts, all new mechanicals, new drywall, new siding, literally everything. So those took a little while. That did cause a little bit of a delay because we're talking about the snowball effect and learning how things work. We kind of went on a buying frenzy, but it takes a while to get these things stabilized and done. And when, you, when you're doing real estate like this, you have to get all the way through or else your money is going to just get stuck because you have hard money lenders to purchase and rehab. But then you need to find refinance partners, which Aaron can talk about in a different episode as well which is a huge part of the process. Finding long-term debt partners that you can work with to scale your portfolio is a huge process. So that took a while and actually kind of ate into 2021. This is when these properties were coming online and getting going. So we only actually bought two more rentals in 2021. They were single they're single family. Both single family homes. Actually, they happened to be, I think, on the same road, which is kind of crazy. But one of those has college students in it, which worked out great. And the other one is just regular family rental that we have. And... That was a lot of kind of our journey with getting our rental stabilized. And then we did one additional flip. So by the end of 2021, we have 12 doors. And we told you when we started this episode, we're in early 2023. We now have 20 doors that we own. And we really, really significantly ramped up. And a huge piece to this is that we then decided at this point to really, really put the gas on. And we scaled because we then created a whole company. So we created Berkeley and state, which we can again, talk about in more depth, if that's something that would be helpful. But in February, 2021, we really started to formalize Berkeley and state. That's when we hired our first ever full-time employee. And we were doing purchasing with our business partner. So we had a business partner 50, 50, and he was the primary buyer. So we weren't buying quite as much, but we were, as a company, running about on average, what would you say, like nine to 10 doors over the span of like a year and a half? 
Yeah, nine doors, nine nine houses a month. So, like, how many did doors did we do with Berkeley and State? It might have been around eight doors a month, but I think we were right around 100 doors. And you would say it was about 18 months? Oh, right? no, that's just 2021. 2022, we did another 80 doors. I think we did 180 doors over the course of 2021. Holy So, the, meaning not Aaron and Brent purchasing the homes and refinancing the homes because we've been that and we're just focusing on that for the most part of this episode. But what we're saying is as a company that Brent and I own 50-50, we basically helped to purchase rehab, not quite refinance all of them. That's still working, but 180 homes. And so to be honest, it's been quite a long two years. It's been a lot of work. And actually, we exited that model in October of 2022. So just under two years of doing that. And just, we can talk a lot more about why we did that and all that. But this is a reason why you'll see what happens in 2022 is because we now have five full-time employees working for us. We have gone like crazy as far as scaling. And this is what happens, right? When this is, you can think about this with your business, with any, like, if you decide you're going to cash infuse something and grow your team and do all this like you're gonna see significant change you're gonna go from 12 doors to having 20 doors in in a span of a year which is what we did and so we don't need to like run through everything but I will say like because there's like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 homes in 2022 15 homes so of those 15 homes, some of them are rentals, like the doors that we added to our portfolio, because like we said, we now have 20 and some of them are flips. And so Brett and I's model in real estate that we can talk about in more depth at some point as well is that we flip in order to fund the rentals. You need cash in order to buy the home, even if you're working with creative financing, even if most of your most of our homes are, are purchased with hard money lending. So we only have to put up a certain amount of, of money. But you end up, like I said, well, we left money in the deals. We left 20. Well, sometimes we're leaving 30. You know, sometimes we're leaving some significant money in the deal. And so we also now still have in our own, we have three full-time employees that work for us. I mean, we have we have a significant payroll, a significant monthly spend to run our company. And so we have to flip in order to offset the cost of what it takes to, for us to run the company and what it takes for us to leave money in the deal. So that is our whole sort of high level journey inside of real estate, how we got to where we got to in in the span of what, like eight years, eight years. Yeah. And so, Brett, what would you say, like, as we sort of wrap up the show, like, things that you would want the listeners to be able to walk away with as they might be having questions or thoughts or, like, is this possible for me? Like, what would you say have been the biggest learnings for you in these eight years? Believe that the snowball is true, the snowball effect, and understand that the first part of every snowball effect is painful and it feels like it's never going to happen. There are a lot of points in those, you know, up until even 2020 where I remember getting drinks with some guys and saying like, oh yeah, I'm in real estate. I'm a professional. And this is what we do. This is, you know, I quit my job to do it. And they're like, oh, how many doors do you have? And I said, oh, two. <laughs> and I remember having this moment of like, golly, I feel like I've done a ton, but why am I at two? And it just seems like, is it ever going to take off? Is it ever going to get where it needs to go? 
And I think the biggest thing that I would have as a takeaway from that is no matter what you're working on, just rec- in the, the sappy phrase that the first step of every journey is the hardest. I, the, I would say the first 500 steps of every journey is the hardest. Embracing the process, knowing how things are going to work out and leaning into the principles that you're building along the way is everything. And that's the other thing I would say too, is learning to lose. We talked about that earlier in the episode. We've made so many mistakes over the past eight years. And the best thing that I have kind of put into my life practice is actually out of a book. I think it's Ray Dalio wrote it. It's a book called Principles. I love the book. It's all about literally just making decisions, operating, figuring out when you make mistakes, writing down what those mistakes are. If you can create a principle from the mistake, write it down. Even if it's silly as like, I have one literally that's don't store things in black trash bags, which is a funny story we talk about some other time. Just don't forget about the mistakes you make because education is expensive and it will pay off because those principles add up to a really strong way to go about doing and operating your business. And we live on those principles today. So good, babe. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show and for helping us share our story and helping see how it's possible to scale your wealth and to invest in real estate. And I hope that this conversation has helped inspire you. If you are curious about real estate, if you are curious about how in the heck do I get started or you've heard a lot of different terms and you're curious, what I would love is Brett and I are going to continue to do episodes on real estate. I'm going to continue to do education and episodes on real estate. So if you could please, as we are promoting this episode on Instagram and things like that, please submit your questions because then we can know the best way to serve you, to serve our people as they work to scale their wealth. Because we know that wealthy women are looking at investing, they're actively investing, they're working towards their future. All right, cheers for now. Are you a creative entrepreneur looking for next level support when it comes to your money mindset and management? It's time to get on top of your numbers once and for all. Do you want to upgrade your lifestyle, make a bigger impact in the world, or gain more time back into your day? Your big dreams are all coming back to one thing, money. So I've developed a secret sauce money matrix formula to combine the power of an abundance mindset with money management tools specifically for creative entrepreneurs like you. Stop hiding from your numbers and start getting strategic. Head to www.aaronbridgman.com to learn everything you need to know about my coaching programs. It's time to completely transform and change the way you view and manage money so you can show up like the wealthy woman you are meant to be. Apply to work with me one-on-one at www.aaronbridgman.com.